Okay, well, thanks very much for inviting me to preach at your harvest. And I think you'll all agree that this year was a very, very difficult year for the farming community. <laughs> it was wet, it was quite a mess. Felt sorry for a few farmers up around me that'd be up there quite a lot, particularly in trying to harvest grain. It was a struggle. So from a farming point of view, in the natural, this was, and still, well, it's quite nice now, actually. <laughs> but uh, this year is probably one of our worst years from a harvest perspective. And if you were listening to the budget from a farming point of view, <laughs> you'd be very disappointed. The sheep farmer got, what, 10 euros per year or something, but that's it. It's not good. But here's the good news. From a spiritual point of view... That's what we're going to look at today, okay? There is a harvest of souls, and God wants your life and my life to produce fruit. So we have to look at the harvest that's in our own lives. Forget about the natural, that's one thing, but let's look at what God is actually doing. Now, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 5, which is a song about a fruitful vineyard. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it, because if I did, you'd all go home. It's a song, but I'm going to read it. And this is the prophet Isaiah writing a song about God who wants a vineyard to produce a harvest of grapes. Now, let me read you the song. It's only um, um, nine, eight verses, seven verses. I will sing... For the one I love. Let me stop there. Do you know God loves you? If you forget anything I say up here in the next two hours, that's fine. Remember, God loves you. What does this say? I will sing about who? The one I love. A song about his vineyard. Now, who is the vineyard? The vineyard is the church. Verse 1 I want to sing about you, and I want to sing about your church. Now, let me read. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hill. Now, this is what God did. I dug it up, I cleaned it of stones, and I planted choice vines. He built a watchtower in it. He caught a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judea, judge between me and my vineyard. Look at verse 4. What more could I have done for my vineyard that I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, what did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do with my vineyard. I will take it away its hedges. I will destroy it. I will break down its walls and I will trample it. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain. Verse 7. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judea are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but he heard the cries of distress. Now, 
We're going to talk this morning, because it's a harvest, we're going to talk about the vineyard. For anyone who doesn't know, a vineyard is where you grow grapes. A neighbor of mine a number of years ago, he went on holidays with his wife and kids to Tuscany in Italy. And when he came home, I met him and I said, how did you get on in your holidays? So he explained to me what happened out in Tuscany. And he said, PG, out in Tuscany, the land goes like this. It's all lovely, gentle hills. Not like Cavan and Monaghan where they go like this, right? That's why we need four-wheel drives. If you're having a four-wheel drive, forget it, all right? Particularly this year. But out in Tuscany, the land is lovely. It's just like that there. It's lovely, wavy land. And for miles and miles, all you'll see is rows and rows of vineyards and grapes. He says, PJ, you won't believe this, there are no cows in Tuscany. You see, when I go abroad, or, you know, I always like to see cows in some other country, just to have a look at them. They're the same as here, but you kind of feel at home when you go abroad. And you see, but he was very, very kind of upset that for the two weeks of his life, he never seen a cow. All he seen was rows and rows of beautiful vineyards. Now, when you think of a vineyard, what do you think of? The first thing that comes into your head is grapes, okay? That's what grows in a vineyard. So number one, we have a vineyard where we have vines. And on those vines, we've got grapes. The next thing you should think of is that these grapes will be crushed into wine. But there's a problem in a vineyard, and that is that little foxes can run into a vineyard and eat the grapes. There's a beautiful verse, if you just put it up on the PowerPoint there, and you can see where it says in Song of Songs, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. And there you can see a little sly fox there, can't you? And what is a fox doing? A fox can sneak in to a vineyard and eat grapes. Okay, so now, when you think of a vineyard, I want you to think of the church as a vineyard, okay? When you think of the vine, I want you to think of a bunch of grapes. These are, these are the fruit of the vine. But when you look at the bunch of grapes, you think of the fruit of the Spirit. You all know the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay, that's what the vineyard produces. These grapes will be crushed to produce wine. But in the vineyard, there's what? There's little foxes and they run round the vineyard like that little fox, and they want to eat those grapes. So if you look at me this morning, when I open up this, can you see that there? You see, you got a fox. And this fox wants to go like this. Yum, 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 yum. He wants to eat the grapes. Now, have you got that in mind? The vineyard is the church, okay? The fruit of the vineyard or the grapes, these grapes is the fruit of the Spirit, which will produce wine. You can have that one if you want. Which will produce wine, okay? But as we produce the fruit of the Spirit, guess what happens? 
the little foxes want to come in and eat your fruit. Okay, now, most people in this church are familiar that the devil is a roaring lion, isn't he? And he growls and he roars. Most people in churches are familiar that the devil is a snake. Remember in Genesis 1 where he's the snake? We're familiar with that. Most people in church are familiar that the devil is a wolf in sheep's clothing and he wants to come in amongst the sheep dressed as a wolf in sheep's clothing. But this morning, I want you to think of the devil as little foxes, small little foxes. They're very sly, and they want to come in, and they want to destroy the vineyard. Now, there are many names for the church in the Bible. One of them is called the vineyard. Another name for the church is called the family of God. These all came from different families here this morning. And in your family at home, there's rows. Am I correct, or is it just me? I feel out of place here. There's kicking under the table. There's pulling hair. There's blaming one another. That's what goes on in families at home. But when you come to church, you come into a family. So no kicking under the table, no pulling hair, no stealing Bibles, okay? We are a family, okay? But here's the good news. God is our Father. He loves us. He loves his family, and he wants his family to produce fruit that will last forever. That's what he wants to do. So the church in the Bible is called the vineyard of God. The church in the Bible is called the family of God. The church is called the temple of God, the bride of Christ, the building. There are so many names for the church in the Bible. But today, this morning, as I look down at you, I'm looking at a church which is a vineyard. And what I see from up here is I see rows and rows and rows of people in pews, in the natural. But in the spirit, when I look at you, I see rows and rows of vines in a vineyard producing fruit. We are in God's church. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to produce fruit. Before I was a born-again Christian, and sadly to say, after I was a born-again Christian, I produced fruit, bad fruit. It's called the fruit of the flesh. Anger, jealousy, rage, division, very bad person. All these things are called the fruit of the flesh. And when you talk to people out on the street, you begin to see the fruit of the flesh. You know, I just talked to somebody yesterday evening, talking about the beautiful weather, and as he was talking to me, I think about 20 swear words came out of his mouth, just producing the fruit of the flesh. He must have said Jesus Christ 10 times in the conversation. What he was doing is producing the fruit of the flesh. Now, we do it, we all produce the fruit of the flesh. But when you become a born-again Christian, you come to the cross, you come to Jesus Christ, he clears away all your sins, the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, and the minute that you are a born-again Christian, automatically, by the work of the Holy Spirit, something happens on the inside of you. You begin to produce love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It happens without you maybe even being aware of it because it is the spirit that produces this fruit, not you. And all you have to do is to die to self, surrender to Jesus, and allow the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in you. And that will happen without you being even aware of it. Do you know before I was a born-again Christian, I used to swear all the time. And I didn't even know I was doing it. But when I became a Christian, I automatically stopped swearing. I didn't tell people at work I was a Christian. But this fellow came up to me one day and he says, PJ, you don't swear anymore. And I didn't realize I had stopped doing it. What was happening? The Holy Spirit was beginning to produce the fruit of the Spirit in me. You don't do it yourself. You cannot say, I'm going to produce love. I'm going to produce joy. I'm going to... You will not. You will fail. Because it's not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So it is when you yield to the Spirit, you will begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit without you even realizing you're doing it. If you look at an apple tree or a plum tree producing fruit, they don't be groaning, do they? You don't see an apple tree go, oh, another apple has been produced. It happens automatically. Fair enough, when a cow calves, there's a lot of groaning. When a sheep lambs, there's a lot of ban. When the sow pigs, I don't think, they just come out like sausages. I've seen so. It's just another one, another one, 10, 11. There's no grown, it's just different. But when an apple tree or a plum tree produces fruit, what happens? Naturally, it just produces fruit. When you die to yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, supernaturally, you will produce fruit. You not be aware of it, but other people will see it and they will tell you, you've changed. You're a loving person, you're a kinder person, you don't backbite, you're not the person you used to be because the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in your life. But let me warn you that when you produce the fruit of the Spirit, guess what happens? This little fox wants to come along and go, yum, 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 yum. And what does the fox want to do? He wants to come in and eat your fruit. Would you believe this morning, when I got out of my car, to come into church with, with grapes, by the time I got in the door, they were half gone. And I left them at the back of the church to talk to somebody, and there was loads of people eating my fruit. So you don't have to wait for little foxes. Christians eat fruit. Can't believe it. This is a hungry church. Normally speaking, a little fox will eat chickens. That's what foxes eat. What does a fox eat? Fox eats chicken. And in this country, you know, I had chickens at home, the foxes eat them, that's what foxes do. But if you were a fox, and you were living in Israel or Tuscany, where there's vineyards, those foxes have a choice. That fox has a choice. Will I go to KFC, or will I go to Fresh Today? <laughs> if I go to KFC, I can get a chicken, if I go to Fresh Today, I can go into a vineyard and I can get fresh fruit. Now, if you are a fox in Israel or in a vineyard, this is the choice. If I go up to that farmer and break into his chicken house and catch a chicken, I have to bring that chicken all the way somewhere. Hopefully, I won't get caught. 
and have to pluck all the feathers off it and eat it. That's a lot of work. But some foxes out in Tuscany or Israel will say, why don't we just jump the wall, go into a vineyard like this fox, and eat fresh fruit right for the picking? Now, that's a no-brainer, isn't it? I mean, if I was a fox, that's what I'd do. I'm not going to run up to some chicken farm, try and catch a chicken. Hopefully, I won't get caught. And all the chickens are doing what chickens do. And you have to bring that chicken, pull off its feathers and eat it. It's much easier to jump into a vineyard and eat some fresh fruit, isn't it? Now, in Ireland, foxes have no choice because we don't have vineyards, okay? It's too cold. But if you were living in Tuscany where my friend went, or you were living in Israel and you were a little fox, the temptation is to sneak into the vineyard and begin to eat the fresh fruit. That's what foxes will naturally do. Now, foxes love eating grapes because they get addicted to the sugar that's in them. I didn't know foxes actually ate grapes until I actually read Song of Songs. And I began to think, why would it say foxes? It should say, catch the little foxes before they eat the chickens. But that's not what it says. Because they love eating fruit. I had a dog at home years ago. And when I was out in the fields at this time of year, I was picking blackberries and eating them. And he was sitting beside me, wagging his tail, as if to say, give me some. So I picked a few blackberries, and I threw them down, and he ate them. And then he decided to go to the bush and eat them straight from the bush himself. I'm not having your dirty hands, he plucking those blackberries after touching a cow. I'll get them myself. And he started to eat them fresh from the blackberries, from the bushes. Do you know at this time of year when apples fall of a tree in an orchard garden and those apples are beginning to ferment, it is common for hedgehogs to go into a garden at night time and eat that fruit, those apples that are fermenting. And if a hedgehog eats enough fermented apples that fall on the ground, that fell on the ground, they'll actually get drunk. That is a fact. Imagine a drunken hedgehog. They do have four legs, so, you know, but I can't get over that. I, I read that. I, I a drunken hedgehog, four legs, so I suppose the fact that four, they can balance each other out. The point I want to make is that animals, just like foxes, they love to eat fruit. Now, the devil, as I've said, he's a roaring lion, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing, he's a snake, but he's a little fox. Now, look at this from, from our point of view here this morning. The devil would go up into the town of Monaghan, go into pubs, and what does the devil want to do? He wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. And if you drive around Monaghan or any town in Ireland, you will see the work of the enemy. Isn't that right? Saturday night, any night, you'll see the work of the enemy outside. That's what the devil does. But do you know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to jump in to this vineyard and he wants to run between the pews. And guess what he wants to do to you? He wants to steal your peace. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your love. He wants to steal your harvest. That's what he wants to do. So the devil is like a little fox who wants to run around the church and destroy and rob and steal from your harvest. Now, 
Back in Isaiah chapter 5, what did God do? Let me tell you what God did. Number one, I want to sing about the one I love. God wants to sing about you. He, I want to sing about the vineyard. Who's the vineyard? That is the church. And then what did God do in verse 2? He dug it up. He removed the stones. He planted choice vines. He built a watchtower. He built a wine press. And God looked for fruit, but it yielded bad fruit. There is no fruit. Then he goes on to say, Israel, you are my vineyard, and I have no fruit. Now, when you read Isaiah chapter 5, which is a song about a fruitful vineyard, but this vineyard, Israel, has produced no fruit. Now, can you imagine God, the Father up in heaven? He's done all this work for Israel. We're in the Old Testament here. We're talking about Israel. But what did God get in return? Bad fruit, no fruit, nothing. So in Isaiah chapter 5, God is very disappointed. I done all this work and I got no harvest. I got no fruit. I have nothing to show for what I have done with Israel. Israel, you are to produce fruit, and fruit that would reflect my glory among the nations. I got nothing. So what did God do? What is the answer to a vineyard that produces no fruit? What's God going to do? The answer, and you know the answer, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is the answer to every problem in the world. Jesus is the answer to our every need. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to a very, very famous place in the Bible that you all know, and it's John chapter 15, verse 1. And everybody knows what I'm going to read, because this is a very well-known story. John 15, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. I am. Now, seven times in John's gospel, and only John's gospel, Jesus said, I am. You know the seven I ams of Jesus. This is the last time that Jesus will say, I am. Why? Because he's in Jerusalem, he's going by the temple, he's going to celebrate Passover, and as a result of Passover, Jesus will die on the cross. This is the setting of this story. Now, why did Jesus say, I am the true vine? The reason is this. If you were in Jerusalem at that time, on the gate of the temple of Jerusalem, there was a golden vine. And everyone in Israel was aware that on the temple in Jerusalem, there was a beautiful golden vine. On the way to the upper room, they walk past the temple, they see the temple gate with the golden vine, and Jesus says, see those golden vines on the temple? They're made of pure gold. I am the true vine. And out in the hills of Jerusalem, just like Tuscany, there are rows and rows of vineyards producing grapes. But Jesus is saying, I am 
the true vine. These grapes will perish in a few days. Not in this church, they'll be out in a few minutes. But if you left them alone, okay, they would... That's not going to happen here. And those golden vine is beautiful, but it's only gold. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. In Greek, ego am I. You ever hear anyone saying, I got a big, a big ego? A big ego is somebody who always, always talks about who? Themselves. Jesus is saying, ego am I am the true vine. In other words, those grapes will perish. That golden vine on the temple will someday be no more, and it isn't, it's not there today. But listen, the vineyard is all about me. So Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. Now, what does the father do? If there's any branches that don't bear fruit, what happens to them? They are cut off. And any branches that do bear fruit guess what happens? They are pruned. Why? So that they will produce more fruit. More fruit. There's one for everyone in the audience, okay? They will produce more fruit. So God, Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And my Father wants to prune the vine so that if there's dead branches, we can cut them off. If there's branches producing fruit, I will prune them so that there will be what? There will be more fruit. Because what does God want? A fruitful vineyard. Now, let me tell you something, and Neil talked about this already. Pruning hurts. Pruning will make you cry. <laughs> Pruning if the Holy Spirit does it, in your life, is very, very severe. About 10 or 15 years ago, I got this wild idea in my head that I'm going to have an orchard garden in my, you know, in my garden in my house. So I planted some apple trees. And when I planted the apple trees, they were about that size. The man who sold me the apple tree says, you need to prune them, PJ. So he sold me pruners, about that size. And he told me to just clip the branches and you'll have lovely apple trees. I left those apple trees alone for about five years, and they grew to about that size, and there was branches here, and there was another branch there, and there was another one there, and there was another one, and I thought, these are getting very hairy, and there's no fruit, I, I need to prune them. So I went out one day around the January with my pruners, and I began to clip some of the branches off, and I, I was nearly crying, because I thought, if I clip that branch, that means there'd be no apples there. I felt very sad. And I didn't know what I was doing. I hadn't a clue. I'm going to destroy these apple trees because I don't know how to prune an apple tree. So I clipped a few branches off and I seen all the branches and I'm not, I'm not happy about this. Now, my next door neighbor, well, he lives about a mile away. You're in the far countryside and the neighbor's a mile away, okay? I told him, he, he's a professional gardener, will you come and prune my apple trees? And he did. So one evening, he comes to my house, he opens the back of his van, he takes out his pruners, they're about that size. And I thought, my apple trees is that size, these are massive. Now, here's the problem. This particular guy was going with a girl for maybe two or three years, but for some reason, none of my business, the relationship ended, and it ended quite bad. Just very messy. Now, I knew that, because it's in the neighborhood. 
but I'm not going to tell him them. Just prune my apple trees. That's your private life. I don't want to know. So I'm not, I'm not going to mention anything. So I'm walking to him towards the apple trees. He's got his pruners. And for some reason, he said something about his ex-girlfriend. And I said, oh, I'm sorry about what happened there. There's more fish in the sea. I'm sure you'll find somebody. And he takes out his pruner and he starts pruning. And this is what she said. And this is what she did. And she said this. And all of a sudden, my beautiful apple trees came like this. And I'm sweating. And he, she said that, and I said that. And all of a sudden, I said, whoa, 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 I said. I know your girlfriend broke it off with you, and I think I know why. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever happened between you and your ex-girlfriend, do not suffer out on my poor trees. Don't take your vengeance out of me. No, PJ, I'm doing a great job. This is what he said. He says, PJ, your apple trees haven't never been pruned. They're absolutely mad. They're going nowhere. But because they haven't been pruned, I have to be severe. And I have to cut and cut right back so that your apple trees will grow. And he said, your apple trees should grow like a wine glass. They grow up like this and they will produce fruit. I was nearly crying when he went home. When I see my apple trees, there were little stunted things like this. It's like a horror movie. And a few weeks later, there was frost and they were white. It was like, this is scary. But that is what was needed for my apple trees to produce fruit. And as we surrender our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to prune you. Because in your life and in my life, there are issues. There could be anger, there could be past hurts, there could be, we might even be angry with God because he didn't answer certain prayers or he didn't do what we wanted him to do. And certain things in our lives have happened to us. But if you abide in Christ, the Holy Spirit will come in and prune your life, reshape your life, to be in the image of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, and let me warn you, like my apple trees, that is a painful process, but it's for God's glory so that you can produce fruit that will last for eternity. Let me tell you in closing the good news. When Jesus died on the cross, that was painful, that was pruning, and he died for you and me, but what happened when Jesus died on the cross? Let me tell you what happened. He defeated the little foxes. The little foxes, which is a sign of the devil, was defeated. But do you know what happened then? Jesus went up into heaven. Now listen to this. And for the first time in heaven, God the Father got fruit from Jesus Christ, his Son. When Jesus rose up from the dead and went up into heaven, God the Father got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He got fruit for the first time. Remember when we read in Isaiah chapter 5, what happened? God planted a vineyard. What kind of fruit did he get? No fruit. Bad fruit. So what did he do? I am the true vine. Jesus came into this world... And he told us, 
I'm going to defeat Satan on the cross, the little foxes. The devil came to destroy the work, or Jesus came to destroy the work of the evil one. He destroyed the little foxes. That means that you and me can produce fruit. When Jesus went up into heaven, he gave God the Father fruit for the first time. So God the Father in heaven could sing about a fruitful vineyard. And that is why Jesus is called the first fruits of the resurrection. What does that mean to you and me? If Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection, we believe in Jesus. Jesus lives in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. That means that you and me today can produce fruit of the Holy Spirit and the enemy has been destroyed. Do you get it? And when you come to this church on a Sunday morning, you are part of a fruitful vineyard where we all come together to worship Jesus Christ, our risen Savior, the first fruits of the resurrection, who entered into the heavens on our behalf so we could join him someday in the future. And as we go up to heaven, we can go with the fruit of the Spirit that will last for how long? All eternity. It will not perish. It will not corrupt. Last but not least, maybe today you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that means that the devil, the little foxes, are out there to kill, to steal, and to destroy from you. And the only way the little foxes can be defeated is if you come to the Lamb. The Lamb of God has defeated the little foxes. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you are producing fruit. Anger, rebellion, even religion. All of those things are the fruit, but they're called the fruit of the flesh. And for those of you who are Christians, make sure that you stay in the vine. Make sure, if you read John's Gospel, chapter 15, John says, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. As a Christian, stay close to Jesus. Be linked to Jesus. Be connected to Jesus. Number two, always read his word. Let his word abide and live in you. Number three, always go to the cross. We're going to celebrate the cross now in a few minutes when we do the bread and the wine. Always stay focused on the cross because it's at the cross that the little foxes have been defeated. Number four, surrender your life to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to prune you. Very severe. Like my apple trees, you might disappear but nevertheless, it's for your good and God's glory. And last but not least, in John 15, Jesus said to them, remain in my love. Do you know what God wants to do? He wants to sing about the one I love. Your job is to remain in my love and stay in the vineyard. If this is your church here today, you need to be here because all that fruit needs to come together like this and we can glorify Jesus as a body. Stay in the vineyard. Don't be a vine 
at home, at house. I'm not going to church. I'll produce my own fruit. You need to be connected into this wonderful vineyard. That's the church. And Jesus gets all the glory. Amen.